What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Bread, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and uh, with me on the line, a guy that knows a lot about FMF exhaust systems. He's ran them for a number of years, as well as uh, ran them on uh, orange motorcycles for a long, long time. And we're here today to kind of chronicalize uh, his life on orange bikes, um, Michael Sleater uh, announcing earlier this week that uh, you'll no longer be working with uh, the the Orange Machines, the 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 K- KTM USA. Uh, Mike, how's it going? Oh man, it's been really, really, uh, honestly, a stressful, stressful couple, stressful couple of weeks. But uh, onwards and upwards, and uh, just just getting things ready for the next chapter. Absolutely, and uh, of course, uh, I'll, I'll try and get that out of you. What the next chapter looks like at the, probably the end of this podcast, and you'll you'll give me uh, a, a, a snarky remark back, and and most likely a, a way for people to follow you on social media, so you can make that announcement on your own terms. But uh, um, a lot of people were very surprised to see uh, this post that you'd put out just uh, a couple of days ago. I think it might have just even been yesterday or uh, the day before. Um, an end of an era in, in the fact that, um, like you, you roll the clocks back 14 years ago and, uh, and there's, uh, plenty of jokes out there in the pits talking about, uh, the, the quality of, uh, the orange machines. And, uh, now you spin the clocks back, uh, forward 14 years. And, uh, as far as, uh, the factory team to be on the aspiring brand to go buy your motorcycle, um, or like. The, the KTMs have completely changed uh, the script and flipped the script on all the other uh, OEMs out there, and I can't help but think that uh, you had a little bit of a hand in that. I appreciate that. It's it's been one hell of a ride. I can tell you that. Um, I owe the brand so much for kind of giving me giving me the opportunity in 2004. Um, just kind of trying me out on some 252 stroke settings with uh, the original engineer in North America, Ryan Raglan, who's a Still to this day, a close friend of mine. Um, and then we kind of transitioned myself into the 250F development for for the 2005 uh, debut of their new 250F. And I was able to do a couple nationals on that bike. And I was 
I was brought in like family with like Leighton Rice and Dudley Craymond and guys that, you know, I mean, the whole race team was, I mean, Jay Burgess, Kurt Nickel was running it. Casey Lytle, who was my boss in R&D, was a test rider for the race team. It was, it was really just a small little family of guys that were taking a risk with a brand that was, like you said, um, not really the brand that you think that would, you people would choose to want to ride. But um, as a struggling privateer and, and you know, trying to do things on my own, I, I felt a far, part of something. And it was kind of like the first step to some of my best years of racing, being a part of that group. Um, whether the equipment was lackluster or not, I could honestly, in my heart of hearts, say that I ran out of talent. Um, in my pro career, the, I was never held back by lack of equipment and resources. Um, even as, like, you know, a fill-in rider and um, a test guy, I got amazing equipment when I was racing professionally, and I was just racing with secondary to testing. So I, I, I definitely have no regrets on, on that chapter as far as, you know, my my role um, and, and my process just – to see what the brand has done um, globally and and especially in North America is pretty overwhelming, really, to, to see there's like 15 employees off the first building or the second building in Diaz and in Temecula, and now there's like 225 employees in Temecula, I believe. I Don't quote me on that number, but something upwards of that. So the company North America has grown exponentially along with the product. So it's, it's definitely been cool to see the brand grow in this way. Absolutely. And uh, for those who weren't completely in the know back in 2004, uh, the winter of, um, we're talking about a time when Grant Langston was stepping off of the 125s, uh, racing the 252 stroke. And uh, to be honest, didn't have too many great things to say about that particular machine. Uh, and then moving into 2005, where uh, a guy like Nathan Ramsey, who uh, was was a part of bringing the the YZ uh, 250, uh, YZF 250 to to market and uh, and making it race ready, the 250F from Honda, as well as eventually the uh, the KTM 250F. Uh, how closely did you work with him uh, in in making that thing about as good as it can be? Because um, Although, uh, like maybe not the results that uh, it was showing, it did turn out to be quite the motorcycle. Yeah, actually, in those times, um, '05, uh, Casey Lytle got hurt, broke his wrist. Like he's just amazing on a supercross track, but he he spun on a lip, broke his wrist, had surgery. So I started doing a lot of supercross testing as a production rider because I was still racing, and we were figuring out the chassis because we started getting North America settings. So. That being said, I um, I was working like really close with the Red Bull KTM team then. Um, Nathan, Josh Hansen, um, Jay Marmont, um, man, there there was a badass team then. And um, Nathan, Nathan, his program was impeccable. People don't really realize how tight he was. He had like Jeff, Jeff Spencer, who worked with Lance Armstrong as his trainer. Um, he was he was. He was so dialed into his program um, that, you know, he's a true professional um, on and off the track. And, and Nathan came up, I mean, so dang short, like a couple points short of winning a title for KTM in 06. I think when he, when he stalled the bike in Phoenix, I think that was kind of one of the things that really hurt him. But uh, 
all in all, he came really close to uh, clinching that title. That he did, and uh, obviously working closely with the team, Casey Lytle, and uh, uh, eventually a lot further down the road, uh, Ryan Morris comes into the fold as well. Um, like, how does how does KTM approach you to begin with? Obviously, you're a guy who could shake down a motorcycle for a long period of time, but uh, as far as, uh, as 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 what you eventually became, as far as a, a test rider, um, having magazines like Motocross Action actually test your bike or we rode your bike, uh, those are usually reserved for uh, the the Travis Pastranas of the world, the Jeremy McGraths of the world, and um, your your testing skills threw you in that mix. Yeah, you know what? It was, I think people, to be honest, it was KTM, they were using me to let everyone know, like, Mike's a normal guy. He's okay. a... Relatable. He's, 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 a, he's available. He's, he's not like a talent like Nathan Ramsey or Josh Hansen that, you know, he's a guy that's kind of in the trenches and um, uh, making things happen on his own terms. So if, if the guy like this can perform on the bike, then, you know, so can you as a public. So they're using me, um, to basically show the public that it's possible to, to, um, go racing at a high level, you know, for sure. You're the, the poster boy for the everyman going out there, twisting the throttle. And uh, from what I remember, some pretty good-looking setups back in the day. I know you were always super close with the One Industries guys. The, the, the bikes always looked on point. And that all-black One Industries gear that you rode with, I believe it's in 2006. That stuff was good. Yeah. So honestly, in 06, that was my my like breakout year really, and that was I was number eighty one. Yeah. Um, I was shipped Fox, and that was man. I my I remember rolling down in the tunnel. It was the first year Tagger Designs was in business. He right. gave me two Fox lids. I had shift gear, Fox boots. Rob Salcedo took care of me. Um, and I remember rolling down, dude. I wore a Cherubis gear before that year. I think yeah, it was Cherubis gear. Yeah, and so did Ramsey. Full transformation, good. yeah, full transformation, dude. To like some kind of like trying to make a buck, looking like a squid. To like getting and I one in the trees did my graphics up, and I two brothers was helping me at the time. I uh, they were transporting my bike, and I, I was like, come down in the tunnel. I'm like, man, I look so damn good. If I don't perform, I'm gonna look like a coot. And <laughs> it, I remember whole starting the heat race. I had a factory engine. Um, uh, 48 mil like factory forks, not done in house, but a factory done in, done by our engineer in, pr in the production team. Okay. So uh, on the production side, so I really um, in '06, dude, I, I came I came to came to play, and that whole program was I built by myself. I didn't have like an agent or a racing manager. I was the racing manager and the rider, so I was pretty proud of what I I was able to accomplish. Um, I had Maxima as a sponsor, not MotorX. Like I said, I, I was pretty much on my on my own, and I was provided. I was doing testing each weekend um, on the future spec of a new motor, possibly for the racing. So my bikes were like fire fire breathing dragons. But at that time, my bikes arguably would handle better better than the race teams, and they were using me as like a test dummy to show Austria. And that time that like Ryan Raglan, my engineer he had some thoughts and some stuff to do with the suspension that was arguably better than what the race team had. And 
it showed. Like I was, I was quite a bit quicker sometimes than the factory guys on that bike. For sure. And of course, uh, uh, for those who don't remember, this is the PDS system from the WP uh, suspension manufacturer. How did that gel uh, both indoors and out? And uh, what were some of the things that you were able to do to make that actually work for not only yourself, but the race team that was really depending on those um, those like just extra special settings? Because uh, it, it was a challenging system, especially in Supercross. Yeah, you know, with my with my engineer and my my chassis guy Ryan Raglan for production with me, I can honestly say that he could tune that thing to get working as good, if not better, than a linkage system. But the variance that that that's the key is he had to tune it. If you didn't if you didn't have his knowledge, you you would you track to track the PDS system varied quite a bit. Like a linkage bike, it's three percent you know once you get your setting you like where pds might be 15 percent and like i said ryan raglan he um my bike i like i said earlier I, I ran out of town my bike was amazing um when it got slick he it was a bit of a a challenge sometimes in the mains but he made up a, a system called a ti system is like called that's it like it was an internal name like that's it because it had like a second basically a second spring rate on the preload collar that would allow you it like have like eight springs on top in the preload collars be like a secondary spring so when the spring was loaded those springs would be like like kind of help you with initial traction and then a lot of head stay work a lot of chassis work steering stem work and our bikes were really really good um outdoors um and then our motors back then were leaps and bounds ahead of everyone without saying so in the lights class we were able to get away with murder having extra power, you know, that it would compensate. But nowadays it's not that way, but we were, everyone's on a level playing field. But back in the 05, 06, 07, even as I say 08, TTM was ahead of everyone a bit in the engine department. What was it that unlocked that uh, that extra horsepower? What, what were some of the things that you guys were able to do with those machines that uh, really did give them an edge, especially in the 250 class? Uh, obviously, guys like... Um, Michael Lessey, who uh, was benefiting from that. Uh, no championships to speak of, but uh, definitely a lot of laps led. Uh, I think it was just the group, the passion. It was driven by passion. It was forward thinking. Um, they've always been known for horsepower. Um, the, the PDS system allowed a unique airflow, like a straight induction into the intake. Um, there's a lot of things. I, I honestly didn't get too much into the park stuff. I know the, the bearingless crank with the Pankel crank, that was the uh the Pankle group was first to market and it was in our bike, so it was allowed it to be freer revving, quicker revving. But I think the platform that it came out in production was so much better than everyone else's. That was the biggest thing is production wise it was stronger, so the gains were easier to make from the from the race team area. So uh that being said, uh, like like your your role with KTM and you you worked there for I believe fourteen years if I'm correct. Uh, your role must have kind of evolved over the years, obviously not uh, going from uh, a racer who was uh, trying to still prove himself, show him, show his, his best every single weekend, and on top of that, run a race team, which did feature another rider on top of that, which was impressive enough as it is, but eventually going over to, to, to Austria, doing that side of things, um, traveling a lot with the work, and uh, eventually uh, developing uh, EFI machines, uh, a, a linkage on that suspension system. How did that all uh, kind of evolve from the racer to uh, progressively getting more involved in the testing side of things? 
uh, one person, John Eric Burleson, um, the former CEO and president of QTM North America, he believed in me. He, um, he'd bring me into meetings and like, like let me have no holds barred, like just freedom of speech and kind of mentored me and like, let me speak my mind. And, um, and, um, uh, and he, he knew that I had some networking skills because I've been always doing things on my own. So, um, that being said, he, uh, he, he really, he really, uh, led me to like, like I said, the Austrian stuff, the, the testing that was like in from 05 to 10, I was traveling to Austria like five times, six times a year. Okay. And yeah, and we were developing bikes and the group over there was just on the gas and we were just, and then Stefan Everts came into play, um, uh, like right around 2009, 2010 when, you know, he came into the group, KTM group and he, he was a driving force to get that linkage done. You know, he brought credibility and, um, some, uh, some, some foresight that, you know, in the, in the European world that people believed him because they weren't letting that PDS stream go. And, and basically Stefan said, you guys got to change something. And Mr. Peer and the group listened to him. And so to, that becomes in 2011 and 2010, I retired professionally because of, uh, the company saw some of my, my passion for working with younger riders and, and, um, the orange brigade, that's, that's how it started. So we started an amateur program. I retired in, not when I say retired at full-time, full-time retirement, but just stopped racing supercross professionally in 2010, um, and went and started doing amateur races and building the orange brigade. Um, then, so then you go to 11, we launched a new model, um, you know, with the 350 and Roger comes in and, um, Alessi and Shorty and it just kind of snowballs. Roger brings the same credibility that Stefan brought. He has a certain way of doing business and I'm in R and D and five years later that the orange brigade grows too much. And I'm just back solely in R and D, not doing R and D and managing the amateur racing. So there was just a lot of stuff going on that um it, the company was growing rapidly people were being hired and i was i was uh honestly a little sad to leave the orange brigade program um I, I got to a point that i was you know the the, the uh, team was w- you know winning races winning loretta's titles i was mi- mentoring mitchell falk you know Derek drake um jordan bailey you know we had these kids coming through coming Josh to fruition Reeves. and yeah, I was. That was Josh was after me. Okay, Josh was after me. Yeah, it was. It was more of Mitchell's and Dakota Alex was my first kid that came to my program. And um, that being said, I'm I, I'm I'm so proud of Dakota where he's at. He, that family, that kid is just amazing. But so yeah, um, once I went back full time into um, like 2000, 2000, so five years, four years, two thousand fifteen. 14, I back in R&D and kind of focusing on myself and I got heavily into vet racing again and kind of made a resurgence to passion for testing and riding to keep testing fun. But I, on that whole time, this whole time, honestly, I was riding three, um, three to four days a week this whole time. And, um, sorry, my, my knucklehead kids. Not a problem, man. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's a lifestyle <laughs> piece. You can tell that uh, you're an involved yeah. father. That's all that is. Um. So yeah. Um. Anyways, they 
that that was that was kind of that that three day a week testing from basically oh five I was nine and a half years without injuries going into two thousand seventeen and I um had one about a year ago, man. About a, a year ago last week I had a pretty massive crash in one twenty five race and that was my first big injury and it kinda eighteen got in and got rough got seventeen was rough going into eighteen, but that's pretty much the path. They just de- development year after development year. They improve. They listen to the test riders, Mickey Stoffer over in Austria, um, Thomas Traversini. There's just such an amazing group of people that have been involved with KTM. Um, Mandy, the engineer and um, lead lead guy, uh, um, Barney, everyone over in Austria has just been such a pleasure to work with. Casey Lido, obviously. My brother, Scott Youngstrand, has been the mechanic over there um at r&d so um yeah just an amazing group that it, it was, it's passion driven and they, they listen they, they didn't settle for nothing but the best and now i believe in a heart of hearts they're the they're the bike to aspire to want to ride and team to want to ride for like you said earlier for sure and and, and through the this evolution of um, the KTM's ascent to where they currently stand as one of the most premier manufacturers in the world. Um, <clears throat> that you don't get there without a few hiccups along the way. Um, Clueless, and if you could, uh, a couple of the uh, maybe some uh, some incidents, or maybe it's not some incidents, but uh, some uh, events leading up to. Uh, the the in- introduction of uh, electronic fuel injection, uh, changing over to the link system. What were some of the things that uh, were were tested that maybe didn't work out so well, or uh, something that um, like a, a big change that happened that like, it made something that was really good not so great? What, what were some of the things that uh, like kind of I think uh, the, trial and error? I think the I think the 2007 450 didn't go over as planned. Um, that was an all new motor on an all new chassis and it was like a tractor and I was doing race development on that. And I, those are some years that I would like to put behind me. Oh seven <laughs> to 10. Um, but you know, Dean Baker, who's over at JGR now, he was my engine guy. The horsepower maker. And he got, yeah. And he actually got that thing to feel how it needed to feel. And then JGR came around and he left us. But, um, um, I, I was a pleasure to work with Dean for that time. Um, but yeah, 07 to 10, that 450, man, that was a handful. Then they went to the 350. I'd say that thing didn't go over like it was supposed to. Um, uh, I think if the bike that came out now, the motor package that came out now, came out in 11, I think you'd see a different deal in our sport. But um, what we tested and thought was like, you know, the, what was going to change the game didn't come to fruition through production. So... Um, who's to say if that thing came out with the horsepower it has today, if it would have, it could have changed the game. I'd say that's, they didn't have any big hiccups, so they didn't have any ultimate fails. So in 2015, I, I, uh, um, you know, the Orange Brigade grew to a capacity that I could have managed that and test three days a week, four days a week. So I, uh, kind of went back to just fully focusing on R&D and I got like a new, new fresh, you know, blood for racing and um, started just going after all the vet races I could, two-stroke races, and I kept racing still. I won a two-stroke title at Loretta's, and that was the whole point with the, um, the amateur racing was the kids, could, it was believable to them, you know, the team manager was riding, I was credible, and man, that time I won't ever forget, I managed um, 
leading Tierra to his world championship at uh, Czechoslovakia, um, which is amazing. And uh, the team winning that title over there, the U.S. team winning it was Sean Cantrell, Mitchell Falk, Max Miller. Um, he just working with so many amazing families and kids. So going back into R&D only in 15, um, this is a tongue-in-cheek. I was, I was bummed that I had the, the team that I wanted, but now I couldn't do it. So full-time R&D and, you know, 15, 16, 17, um, I really just uh, hunkered down on my personal self and did a lot of fun races and accomplished some personal goals with winning Vet Worlds and two-stroke world champs. And, and I was thirty mid-30s at the time, so I was pretty hyped on, on what I was doing with with that. And, you know, fast forward to 2018, I, uh, you know, like I said earlier, 2017, I uh, hurt myself at Hangtown, just banged up. Shortly after, I just get on my shoulder on my mountain bike, and then had a, you know a rough, rough go. Um, and then at the Trans Am, I crashed and had to fight through some. I got hit in my head at the Trans World Trans Am and was knocked out a little bit. And like I said, nine year earlier, nine nine and a half years out of injury, and then bam, like a year to the date, just so many things happening in a year. Yeah. I just was a little bit, uh, a little bit taken back, and I was brought in house as the R and D test coordinator about three months ago, and looking for that new chapter in, at KTM, and, and it just turned out I was re- realistically I was just still the test rider. I wasn't um, able to really to race anymore because I was eight to five, and I was kind of losing the, losing the, losing my identity and losing, losing passion for riding because I was riding from you know when they when I had to well I always had to ride on their time but you know when I wasn't riding there wasn't really you know I wasn't being utilized what I thought was my best quality so um instead of you know dragging it out and 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 not loving a brand that has done so much for me I I honestly just decided to resign about two weeks ago and um put my two weeks in and the company just was you know more than supportive of my decision and you're really sad that I, I had to go they went through a huge amount of effort to make me an employee with this new position that was created for a guy like myself but it wasn't for me um that position wasn't for me and i commend ktm for giving me you know basically first ride of your fuel first ride of your fuels of work but it just it wasn't what i was looking for um i thought it was the best thing for my family and best thing for for me as a as a professional but I got more in me I got my mind thinks a little bit different than what I was being utilized for so like I said I I um I think I left on a high note um I left with um with a great respect for everyone at KTM and I kind of wouldn't have done it any way any way different to be honest for sure, and I, I do. I was surprised to see that uh, that you'd be parting ways with the company. But uh, like you said, uh, a, a ton of great times had there. I think uh, both, um, like uh, you, you're going to miss working at KTM, and they're going to miss you around the shop, uh, especially an experienced someone that uh, was able to uh, shake down motorcycles, especially orange ones, uh, like no other. Um, so that being said, uh, what does the next chapter quite look like for you? Uh, maybe not the position, so to speak, but uh, do you think that we're going to see uh, more of Michael Sleater uh, lining up at uh, whether it be a, a vet race or uh, a, a pounded out Thursday at Glen Helen? 
Mm, probably not, to be honest. Okay. Um, the the biggest driving reason for for me uh, stepping away from KTM, like I said, was really myself and family. And family is is everything to me. I have two young boys, seven and five, an amazing wife, Sarah. And not many people know that my in-laws are the Reardons, with Dan Reardon, Andrew, and Lukey, okay. all accomplished racers themselves from Australia. So um, we are going to, um, I really haven't announced this publicly yet, but we're, we're moving to Australia. We're going to move sometime in 2019. And that's really why I, looking at my program at KTM and looking where I want to do what I want to do, we are uh, houses sold. We're moving into an apartment in Marietta so the boys can finish school, first half of school next year. And somewhere in 2019, our little family will be traveling abroad to Australia to start a new chapter. Um, but until then, I will be doing a lot of really cool stuff on dirt bikes, which I'm super hyped on. I'm back with Transworld Motocross testing dirt bikes, which I could not be more happy about. Um, Dominate has been a huge, huge influencer and supporter and mentor and family friend, all the above. And um, as soon as he heard the news, he dropped off a Rockstar Edition Husky for me to ride. Um, so I will be riding uh, Rockstar Edition Husky at Mammoth Motocross. Um, uh, I will be doing that Worlds on the, I don't know what I'm riding, but I'm officially part of the Transworld crew again. Um, basically, it's, it's kind of come to fruition full circle um and yeah we're just we're just doing it you know I'm, and then the next thing is i enjoy working with the kids i'm training kids again i got a group of like seven kids that i'm coaching and oh, right on. Um, it's, it's happened it's, it's happened really fast and back with 100 percent an answer so basically started an ambassadorship again like i was doing with answer 100 percent as an employee with ktm i had to give that up and um for obvious reasons but now that i'm i'm you know no longer with that amazing brand i i'd be able to and able to come back to 100% and answer and these companies that have supported me as a you know contractor my whole career pretty much and and now I'm an ambassador for you know 100% answer Transworld Hinson Dunlop FMF especially um, just really getting going to a grassroots you know grassroots program helping riders helping the sport and 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 basically and just having fun doing what i love and that's the most important awesome man well it sounds like uh you're back on the program and i use a little bit tongue-in-cheek with don about the program uh being yeah uh, yeah the program with Dahmer. me and Dahmer will be eating some some villa cheesesteaks oh yeah donuts together probably uh, oh that, that you can you can count on that and uh yeah hopefully uh once i get back down to california whether it be for the vet world championships or uh, or my annual pilgrimage during uh january february of next year uh, hopefully you're still around and uh, we can either go for a pedal twist the loud handle or uh enjoy whatever part of the your new freedoms that you're now enjoying as uh, uh as a, a entrepreneur of sorts uh kind of uh going it on on your own now that's kind of cool yeah, it's definitely scary. I've always, like I said, I've, I've been very structured having KTM behind me. And I just, um, you know, I've had to be very sensitive on a lot of things that I can and can't do. Obviously, being involved with an amazing manufacturer like KTM, I can't talk about riding other bikes. I can't talk about, you know, I'm a very brand loyal guy when it comes to what, what I had to do. And now the gloves are off. You know, I can, I can you know, through my blog, my two-wheel life, I'm going to be, be doing some cool events. Yeah, I can I can really kind of 
let things go a little more and, 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 uh, um, and, you know, really speak my mind on, on product, on the future of motocross. And the only person I have to put in jeopardy is myself and my character, which I hope I don't. But, uh, no, I'm really looking forward to this next chapter in my life. And, and, um, I am nervous, you know, KTM has been so good to me. I mean, that, that, uh, company's done so much, but, I think it's time for me to, you know, like I said, we're moving to Australia sometime. Uh, 19, there's no set date. I got to get my visa approved. And the ultimate goal would be able to work with, like, the KTM program down there. I love the brand, obviously. But right now, it's, it's you know, I need to get a little little time away. And working with Transworld and doing some bike shootouts and doing some tests on new models is something I'm very, very excited about. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's going to be interesting. I um I, I, I'm, I'm excited and nervous all in the same, same uh, token. Absolutely. We're excited to get more details. And for those who aren't already following you on uh, social media, where do they follow you, both Instagram and Twitter? Uh, at SleetDog, S-L-E-E-T. And uh, my um, like product reviews and, and adventures of two wheels, my little personal blog at mytwowheellife.com. There um, we go. Yeah, Follow kinda, along. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Follow this guy along. He's experienced. He's got knowledge. And uh, obviously now if there's some young riders down in Southern California that are looking for some much needed tutelage, uh, they can now uh, find you on social media, dial you up and, uh, and, and get that uh, uh, top flight instruction that you do provide. Yeah, absolutely. We're getting, you know, mammoths coming up. I've been working with Cahia Creek MX and getting some, some mammoth prep going with some riders and obviously all the other local tracks, Paul, Paris, Glen Helm. I'll be racing the two-stroke invitational at Glen Helm this weekend, so I'm really excited on my KTM Bonanza 300. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. A lot, a lot of good things going. A lot of good things going and moving and shaking and, and just trying to stay busy. Awesome, man. Let's, uh, we're looking forward to some, some rad photos of you ripping that two-stroke this weekend. I really appreciate you take, taking some time to uh, kind of walk us through uh, the, the history of yourself in, in, in a line with the ascent of KTM to where they currently stand as one of the most preeminent brands within the sport of motocross as far as the OEMs are concerned. And uh, um, as a uh, owner of a KTM, which you probably had a hand in uh, developing, I, I want to thank you for all of your hard work to make sure that that thing is uh, buttery smooth when I roll the throttle on. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And I just want to, first and foremost, thank you for giving me the platform to kind of tell my story. Of course. You're you're only as good as the people's around you, and I had some of the best in the business around me, and I can't thank KTM for the opportunity over the last 14 years. It truly was a blessing, and I hope uh, my future endeavors um, may involve the brand uh, some capacity. Absolutely, and we're lucky to have had you on to tell that story, my friend. Um, I always appreciate the time. It's never, it's it's always a pleasure, never a chore to have you on. Uh, Michael Sleater here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by FMF. You'll most likely be uh, screaming an FMF exhaust system this weekend coming up. I wish you the best of luck in that. And uh, for podcast sake, we're gonna cut it off right there.